You know, he did say that the dolphin, female dolphins, have very similar genitalia to uh, human women. Sure. Which I, I guess I don't know because I've never really seen a it. dolphin yeah. vagina, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the the reporter, penises are pretty similar, aren't they? Kind of. I don't think so. I think they no. come out, aren't they? Like, well, they come out, but they look the same. No, yeah. I think they're like little red weird tubes. Like, I don't think yeah. they're. So are dicks. You ever kind see of. Uncircumcised dicks. Aren't they like a like... proboscis? Aren't they like this thing that kind of comes into like a like a like a conical shape? Isn't that what it is? I don't know. I, I, I forget. I, I'm I just I forget. Just throwing things against the wall seeing what <laughs> sticks. I don't know, man. This is Sick and Wrong world source for antisocial commentary brought to you by adamandeve.com good evening welcome to sick and wrong the world source for antisocial commentary i'm one of your hosts d simon hi i'm kate rambo hello to all the listeners new and kate old. rambo and old and new yes 900 episodes of sick and wrong well done to you like i couldn't even think like what 17 years how old? Are, what was I doing 17 years ago? Oh, shit, I have to do maths. Was I 20? It's a long time. Since 2006. Yeah. People have had children since then that are growing now. They, their kids are growing. They're like adults. Yeah. You know, they're graduated high school. There are people who listen to the show that are doctors now and lawyers and never tell anybody that about their, 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 their podcast <laughs> preference. They don't even talk about it. It's something that they, they hide. Are ashamed you know, They repress. Yeah. yeah, they're very ashamed. I mean, well, well done to you. It's a hell the other of, one has kept it going. It's a hell of a podcraft milestone. I fully understand that. And I feel I probably should be more excited about this accomplishment. But honestly, I think I'm much more excited about your uh, the big news about your immigration situation. Right. You know, um, we can't really go into that here, but we do go into all the details about that on uh, this week's second show. So you're going to have to head over to the Patreon to find out about that. But what I can say is that Kate is pretty much half a yank now. You're half a yank. I'm a half a yank. I've been yanked in half. <laughs> you're half Nearly. a yank. Nearly and there. I, I feel that it's time for you to start learning how to pronounce things properly because you're half a oh, yank. Oh, okay. So Let's in America, it. a toilet is not a loo. It's not a loo. It's a you don't you don't call it a toilet either. You call it a John. It's a John. Well, I would I would honestly rather say John because I don't like saying the word loo. A loo to me is like a mum will say, uh, "Can I use the loo, please?" I just say toilet. I'm like, "Do you have a toilet?" And I hate when you say to somebody, "Oh, um, where's your bathroom?" And they go, "Oh, there's not a bath in it." So fuck off. You know what I mean? I need to piss. Tell me where I can go and piss. The best way to the best way about it is just be like, "Where's your shitter, buddy?" Oh, yeah, the classy people are just saying, where's shit? And then they pick up a magazine and they're already undoing their beltless. <laughs> just just go up away. to a waitress. Uh-huh. Once you move here and you're in Denny's, just be like, hey, where's the shitter? That's, that's the American way. Moving on, <laughs> when uh, people are wasting time, you don't say, stop faffing about. You don't say that faffing. here. You say, quit lollygagging, you lollygagger. 
It's lolly gagging. is also good. I like both. I'm not going to stop saying faff. And if any, I was thinking about this actually today. I am going to pull that I just moved here card for at least 10 years. I'm going to be like, I can use it as an excuse for everything. But if anything, I'm going to try and keep up on my British slang and just keep it but going. But the thing is... Never stop. The thing is, some of it, I think Americans will find confusing. Like faffing about, like people immediately think of like Richard Gere faffing about with gerbils. You thought I meant vaginas when I first said it. Yeah, I mean, no one knows. But if you say lollygag, it's a very American thing, you know. Faffing and lollygagging is a bit different, though. Because like a lollygagger is somebody who's like, you know, you're dropping wasting time. the rest. Yeah, wasting time. Whereas faffing implies there's a bit of anxiety. Like, you're, you're faffing. You're doing something for no fucking reason. Stop faffing on with it. Like, just get on. I think Richard, Whereas, like, I think Richard Gere faffing about with gerbils. Moving on. A wad of mucus. It it's a booger. Not a bogey. I don't know who calls it bogey. I've never even heard that a before. Bogey. Yeah, I would say a bogey. I'm never going to say a booger. bogey? What, what does that bogey. even mean? A bogey, like a Top Gun. It's like, uh, that's, those are like the... the, the 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 enemy aircraft it's a booger i would go i'm going even further with that one of the greatest actors of all time Humphrey tom Bogart. cruise <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you were such a fan uh, humphrey Bogart, <laughs> whose nickname is bogey um french fries the fries Right, D, don't get me started on this. I already know where you're going with this. Right, chips are different to French fries. It's like how a cookie is different to a biscuit. They exist in the same realm, same world, but a French fry is not a chip, and Americans don't understand this. And then the only other thing you'll get is maybe a steak cut chip, which is all right, but over here we have like 500 different types of chips. Okay, but you're going to confuse the feeble-minded wait staff at the Olive Garden or, or uh, the Denny's or whatever because or the big boy because they're going to be like chips like do you want like Frito-Lays like we're going to go get you like actually potato chips because that's what Americans think but when you say fries everybody knows you mean you know french fries yeah, I, I will acclimatize that really fast because I know America can't do chips you don't have chips oh and in fact actually I'm going to start eating a lot of fish and chips right now because yeah, be you should get your fill. That is one thing I miss more than that's one thing. British cuisine, yeah. you don't, you can't find that here. I've never found it here. It's the one thing we do really well. Is very, very chips. well. I'd say that. Um, cotton candy. It's not candy floss. I don't even know what candy floss is. Oh, candy floss. Candy floss. What? That's like a made-up word. That's like a an imaginary word. That's like what fucking Oompa Loompas say to each other. So using dental floss, they use candy floss. It's I like cotton both. candy. I li- well, I like both, and, and to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of candy floss. So I doubt, I doubt we'd ever be at a fair, and I'd be like, "Oh, David, I've just got to have some candy floss." I don't think that's going to happen. But if you like went up to a carny, you're like, "Oh, can I have a bit of that candy floss?" They'd be like, oh, "What? You get? You want what?" <laughs> I mean, they'd probably be offended. I don't think they'd know what you're talking about. Are you calling me a floss? Yes. Okay. It's not a spanner. It's a wrench. It's a wrench. That's what we use. We use but wrenches. But how can you use the phrase throw a spanner in the works? We don't say that. You can't say throw no a wrench would... in the works. Yeah, you could be like, that's a wrench in my plans, but that's okay. Hang I'm on, an hang American. On, hang on. Hang on. They both exist, don't they? Isn't a spanner different to a wrench? No, it's the same fucking thing. But we name it, we, we use the, the proper term, the actual term for it, not whatever this, this flower. I'm still going to call it 
spanner as with a lot of british words you can use as a term of like hatred it means being dumb so like you could be like shut up you bloody spanner you could probably do that because people wouldn't know what you mean so you can you know you can insult somebody and they'd have no idea so, I mean, you know what, I, do, I was thinking about this recently. I own, like, maybe, because uh, I used to have a lot of electric guitars, so I have a lot of screwdrivers in different, uh, like, uh, sizes, really small to really big. But I have maybe one hammer, and that's the strength of my tools. How I was many like, spanners a, a dad do dad would come in here and be upset. I don't even own one spanner. No spanners. What the fuck do I need a spanner for? What am I tightening? <laughs> I don't know. I'm tight enough, bitches. <laughs> and these, the next three here... I don't even understand how British people pronounce these words the way they do. It, it doesn't even make, phonetically, it doesn't aluminium, even make sense. Yes. Garage. Aluminum. Aluminum. It's aluminium. spelled like it sounds. Aluminum. British people say aluminium. Aluminium foil. But we also don't say aluminium foil. It would be like an aluminium roof, but we say tin foil. Pass the tin foil. Well, tin foil makes sense, but where does aluminium come from? Well, considering my country gave birth to your country, why have you taken our language and bastardized it? It's not, what do you say, vase? Well, I think there's a a difference between bastardized and improved exponentially, (laughs) which Americans do. Um, This is is another one. Schedule. 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 You guys don't say that. You say schedule. Oh, schedule. Schedule. I can't even say it. How how does that even pronounce that way? It doesn't even look like that. It's, It's schedule. Yeah, schedule? check the schedule, not check the schedule. Schedule, uh, yeah, that's not a word I frequently use, so we'll we'll bypass that one. Here's another I word. You say you... garage. Yeah, garage, garage. Yeah, that's. Garage. I do kind of like garage. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, because um, you you listen to garage music. You don't listen to garage music. Garage, but uh, this word also is another one you probably don't use very often. But I still don't understand why British people pronounce it the way that they do. Lieutenant. How do you say lieutenant? I would say, uh, Lieutenant Dan, you've got new legs. British people say lieutenant. Oh, lieutenant. Yeah. I I would say that that's only um, older generation says that because lieutenant? a lot of my generation and the ones be like, you know, me and the younger ones, we grew up with American like American telly and shit. So we've also become kind of Americanized. So I would say lieutenant. See, I would never say our lieutenant. culture is finally influencing the, the British We're merging. We're merging. But, but you'll never take our slang words. They belong to us. I mean, that's one thing I've always been impressed with, British slang. It's the best slang I think you can even have. Like, you guys have the... No one can swear and, like and put down somebody like a British person. Definitely like guys, not. It's something we can do. I mean, you guys have like 20 words. For cunt. And not to mention, cunt is a term of endearment. It's, it's brilliant. Like, that's not... Uh, yeah, I would say in, uh, in London, amongst your mates, definitely in uh, Glasgow. But if you went up to, like, a random person in Newcastle and went, all right, cunt, you might get punched here. It has to but, be with your pals. But if you were, like, talking about somebody like, oh, he's a, he's a proper cunt. He's great. You know, if you said something like that, do you think they would disagree? Whereas here, if I was at work and I was like, oh man, that guy's such a cunt, they'd be like, that word would, I would be immediately in HR probably fired if I said cunt. 
Yeah, it's funny how the Americans get all uppity about the word cunts. But I will also give America this. The one swear word that you guys can say and that we cannot because we sound silly saying it is motherfucker. Yeah, I was, I was going to say. That's American. I think white people sound a little weird saying motherfucker. But black people, mm. they can, that rolls off the tongue oh, perfectly. yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you're a motherfucker. You're a real motherfucker, motherfucker. over there. <laughs> Like it, no, it doesn't work. I've adopted the use of the word cunt. And no one, I don't think I've ever met anyone that uses the word cunt so freely like my sister. Stephanie say, loves that word. It's like every second word is cunt. I know. It's a great word, though. And I mean, it you is. should honor your half British heritage as well. So she's a, she gets a free pass in saying it. I, I bet within a few months after you move here, some of these words you're just going to stop saying because they just confuse Americans. But you'll never give up the slang because the slang, it's never. so definitively british and it's just it's cool i've, it's I've always been very impressed by me. that and i can go even a step further because i grew up in cumbria as well i've got a lot of cumbrian slang that if i use down south they're like what the fuck are you talking about so like i'll never stop saying to somebody like how's you fell or like where you gan or like i'm ganyam like I'm yeah gan no yam one right now. no one will have any idea what the fuck you're saying but I'll be like, this is the last remnants of Cumbria that I take with me. But other than that, after like once I move, when I do move, never coming back here ever again. When the confused... Oh, wait, no, I might have to come back here for some funerals. But other than that, I'm never coming back here ever again. You'll come back for the fish and chips. But when the confused waitresses at the, uh, at the big boy <laughs> at look the at me after you use, use some yeah. piece of Cumbrian slang, I'm just going to be like, oh, she's just looking for the shitter. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I've just moved here, governors. Hello. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, the bathroom's over there. Um, so, yeah, you know what? This week, we, uh, we're going to celebrate episode 900. 900 episodes. Mm. And the way we're going to celebrate is by bringing back a former guest on the show. You know, people were like, oh, Bob Madigan? You're going to have Waggly and Steel? No, we're not doing that. Maybe Bob can, Madigan can in the I future. Just say, so, um, somebody said Harrison, and it was really funny. That actually, we probably will end up doing in the future as well. I mean, there's a couple psychics. Oh yeah, we should contact Harrison. Yeah, 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 I think we. Well, will. You know when we should do it? When Harrison would have enjoyed it, we'll do it on Halloween. That's a good idea, but uh, we'll put a pin yes. in that. This week, we're bringing back a former guest. That a lot of people forgotten about, or maybe didn't even listen that that far back in the archives. Malcolm J. Brenner. The journalist and author who wrote the fictionalized memoir, Wet Goddess, about a love affair that he had, actually, because it's based on his life, between a college, when he was a college student and a bottlenosed dolphin in the 1970s. So I interviewed Malcolm back, I, you know, I think it was episode 625. It had to have been like around 2010, 2011. I uh, thank you, Tim Ted, for pointing that out because I was looking for these episodes. I was looking for the episode last night for like an hour. And I was going through all the episodes that kind of were in that, that time period. Couldn't find it. I was unable to find it. And because um, there's, another, there's another episode I did with Harrison. Because I didn't have, I didn't have the, I, I didn't air the original interview with, with Malcolm Brenner during the Harrison years. It was during the Wackerly years. But Wackerly would never be on that show. Wackerly's kind of a judgmental cunt. Like he, he just was just like, I remember even last night, I was texting with him because he was making jokes about the submarine. And so we were going back and forth, and I was like, hey, you want to hear something tragic? We're doing our 900th episode of Sick and Wrong last night. And he's like, wow, that's unbelievable. And I was like, yeah, and we're interviewing. Remember the guy that fucked the dolphin? And he was just like, oh, really? He's like, what does Kate think about that? 
And, and the, the way he said it was just like, as if Kate's going to be cool with that. And I was like, oh no, Kate fully endorses that and wants to participate in the interview, unlike you. <laughs> you know? He's such but a then, miser. <laughs> but you brought up a good point. Would Harrison have been into it? Because Harrison is hard to pin down. Because part of me thinks that Harrison, because Malcolm is very fascinating. And I think part of him maybe would have wanted to delve in. And I think Harrison would have enjoyed definitely parts of it. But at the same time, Harrison had like weird moral values. And I think maybe he just would have shut down completely and not gone any further. I don't know. That's the thing. The the Rhode Island in Harrison, I think, kind of instilled him with somewhat puritanical values but the yes the you're completely los right. angeles harrison would have probably been very into it so i don't know I, you know i really don't know if he would have been down or if he would have sat that one out i do know that you were like totally gung-ho about it though that's for sure so anyway here's a clip from the original interview that's up on youtube that i had with uh with malcolm brenner okay so so there you were in the pool with the dolphin it's chirping right. you're chirping back it's uh-huh. exposing its or rubbing its labia. I, I didn't actually even know dolphin had labia, but it's doing that. And so, is this what led to the uh, like the intercourse? Well, it took a long time for the relationship to develop because I was very resistant to her advances at first. Um, he was playing hard to get. I'll tell you another story. Uh, I had been in the in with the dolphin once or twice at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, she really hadn't gotten too uh, aggressive with me. So I'm. You can check it out on YouTube. It's a long clip, it's like seven or eight minutes. Um, but this week, we ended up getting him on the show. And I got to yeah. say, he goes into a lot more detail about the sexual encounters that he had with the dolphin um, this time around than he did last time. I think maybe because he had just published a book and we were one of the first interviews that he did. Like I remember he had done an interview. I'm going to bring this up with him too. He had done an interview with a shock jock named Bubba the Love Sponge that was on the same network as Howard Stern. And he was, you know, they ridiculed him, mocked him, made fun of him and all that. So when I contacted him, like shortly thereafter, um, he was like, what's the name of your show? And I always kind of refrain from saying sick and wrong because it, it scares off a lot of well. guests. So usually I say like yeah, SW podcast or I don't even mention it. I say SNW. Yeah, I, I sometimes just don't say anything about it just because I know, I know from experience. But I did, he wanted a link. And so I sent him a link to an interview we did and he's like, oh, what a, what a wretched name for your show. And then he was really <laughs> reluctant because he was worried that I was going to be like, you know, making dolphin noises while he's, you know, in the background while well, he's he kind of talking about it. Well, well, you know, I can understand. I can understand. But I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of interviewer. I don't invite someone on the show to ridicule them publicly. I don't yes. do that. Instead, I... Can you even do a dolphin impression? I, just, I don't know how to do that. I'm, I'm a human uh, being. What is it? It's like a high pitch. <laughs> it's like a, like a chirping noise. Um, <laughs> but but the, my, my, my point is, I want to get the story out of them. So... You know, I'm not going to like be a dick about it. So anyway, we got him to come on the show and we chat with him. And I, you know, I was, I wish I could have found the original episode and I'd post that on the, on the page, but I couldn't. Um, I did find some other really funny episodes in the archives, not trying to plug the archives here, but I forgot about a lot of these. It's been so long. Yeah. So I, I found the episode, episodes. episode 236, where I interviewed the rabbi 
about circumcision and it's it's hilarious it's hilarious just to hear him talking about like when i was asking him about a you know vampire hostages that suck the the blood out of baby penises he was like oh yes Oh yes, it's a it's a very small section of ultra orthodox Jews. I've never met a moil that would do that, and I was yeah, like, that you know about Rabbi? Yeah, but uh, yeah. It, it was funny. And then there's a a great one with um, I forget what what number this was, but it was definitely the early years where me and Wackerly are chatting with two lesbian porn stars, and Wackerly is so awkward, and they must have been like in my studio. I, I probably knew them from from the strip club or something. But Wackerly was so awkward because the guy is nerdy, but he was very, very nerdy in this interview. That was funny. And then finally, there's another episode where me and Wackerly are interviewing um, Jeff and Jeff's friend Mattress. Right. That's funny you mentioned Mattress Mattress, because I was listening to an old From the Ville the other day and Wackerly was talking, was saying that on the show that week, because you've been trying to get Big Jer to come on. You've been trying to get Joffrey to come on. And finally, Joffrey and his friend Mattress are going to come on. So that episode of FTV is the same. It's like meeting up that Wackily was on. It That's must funny. have been around the same time. I, I forget what number. Well, but was. Mattress was candidly talking about like pink socks and, you know, prolapse rectums and old men. I wanted to ask why he was called Mattress. Because he's a human mattress. I think that's kind of what it was. I forget. I forget. I don't even know what happened to that guy. He was like some twink that Jeffrey knew at the time. But it's a hilarious episode. So, yeah. I mean, last night I was kind of stoned. I was trying to find the dolphin fucker episode, but I ended up uh, just kind of for the next for about an hour just listening to old clips. I should I should have made this a clip show. Um, But anyway. We're going to get on to an interview here with Malcolm J. Brenner. Find out what's going on. Got a lot to catch up on. You know, he's okay. written two other books since The Wet Honest. Like, he wrote a book about a very controversial mad scientist doctor named uh, uh, Dr. Wilhelm Reich. Well, he had... wrote a book about his experiences with Dr. Duval, who was a student. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it was yeah. a student of Dr. Wilhelm Reich who created the, uh, the orgone accumulator, these, like, sex boxes of the, uh, the 70s, uh, 1960s and 70s. Um, and then he also wrote a book about, like, an alien encounter that his uh, ex-wife had. So we're going to get into yeah, all that. Uh, yeah. but, but, first, but first, let's chat about the second round patron. So if you've listened to 899 episodes, 899 episodes of this podcast, you never signed up for the patron for even one month, you are more Jewish than I am. In fact, you should be a rabbi. Yeah, I was say, in fact, you're probably <laughs> British. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if you like what we do, I mean, we've been doing this a very long time. And if you uh, enjoy this show, we just ask you to sign up for the patron or join Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, keep the show going. You know, I, we have I, a PayPal I, as well. If you just yeah. want to fucking kick some beer money in, we have a PayPal. So yeah, I mean, if you don't want to be a part of a subscription, you just want to give us, you know, one-time donation because you appreciate what we do, or you want to help Kate move to uh, to uh, the USA. Um, we we Eventually. do appreciate that. But you know what, Joe? You you get something in return. You know, just for a few few bucks a month, five dollars a month, you get access to Sick and Wrong Second Show. Uh, this week, we, we get into all the details about uh, Kate's immigration status. Um, we also uh, uh, chat a little bit about, um, about uh, Ozzy's uh, toilet training and how that's going. And uh, I actually had, um, had dinner with my cousin, who, uh, who's older, but who's had you know, 
uh, several kids, and I was telling her about this this controversial technique that my sister uses of just letting the kid run around the house naked, shitting and pissing anywhere he wants, and she was just like, what the fuck? Who does that? You know what? I must say, a few moms have messaged in about Ste- what Stephanie's doing, and all of them are saying she's doing it too early, and that they did the same technique, but they did it later, when the kid was a lot older and could kind of comprehend more. So I just think Stephanie's trying trying to rush the process. You know, possibly. I mean, we, we get into that in the second show. We also do a news story about a Pennsylvania woman's heinous and graphic text messages that pushed her ex-boyfriend to suicide. So all that and more on the Sick and Wrong second show. That's only five bucks a month. You get access to the second show. You also get access to the uh, Sick and Wrong Discord. It's a real community of deviants over there, but a lovable, lovable deviants. They're very, very lovable people. They're and, the best. Uh, yeah, yes. and it's, a, it's a good community. <laughs> Um, and also, you know, we have the show, we have second show now on uh, Apple podcasts as well as, uh, Kate's serial, uh, killer star signs, um, um, a bonus show. So a couple different ways to support sick and wrong. We do appreciate it. And as I did mention the archives, um, you know, the first 10 years on SoundCloud playlists are available on the Patreon. You know, I did notice that the audio can be a bit dodgy on those. It's interesting how much. You know, uh, how, much, yeah, how much has changed over the years, equipment. I mean, back then, we had to, like, jerry-rig a mic, you know, to, uh, to the computer speaker to, to, to listen to phone calls. But it is funny. It's part of the charm because in the background, you can hear, like, sirens in the tenderloin and my crackhead neighbor screaming and, uh, you know, screaming at his, um, his uh, wife at the time. Patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Uh, we do appreciate you supporting the show. Let me play this quick Patreon promo, and then uh, let's catch up with uh, Malcolm J. Brenner. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. Were girls allowed to be in the class? Girls weren't allowed. Yeah, yeah they weren't allowed. In the lagoon. And, uh, the <laughs> and so we went to this lagoon to collect those fucking water samples. And I'm saying, and I do remember, I did get a shoulder rub from him. I remember he'd come up behind you and like put his hand on your shoulders Magic and go, fingers. "Ooh, you're doing good, young boy." Or <laughs> and so, but I don't, I like, I he never like went beyond my like lower than my shoulders, which you know, in retrospect, ten years later or whatever, when you learn his fate of being arrested at school, and so I think to myself now, what what did I lack, like? What was I? Was it the bowl cut? Was it what? 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 What was? Did he not find alluring on me to stop at the shoulders? Wait, right. did Gordy ever ask you for like a special sample from the lagoon? No, that's <laughs> why you know it. It is a little bit of a blow to my self esteem later. You know, later in life that I wasn't. I I wasn't asked. Not even asked. Besides just the upper extremity touching. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think... Malcolm, how are you doing? It's D. Simon and Kate here from Sick and Wrong. Um, it, it's good to have you back on the show. Well, it's nice to be here. Are you still sick and wrong? I think we'll always be sick and wrong. <laughs> you, you know, as a matter of fact, this is a milestone episode that's we're having you on. It's our 900th episode of Sick and Wrong. Wow. That's a mystical number. It's, mm-hmm. it, it really is. It has, has, 
significance in 14 religions you never heard of. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, it's been mm. a few years since uh, we've had you on the show, and I, I know we have a lot to catch up on. Um, in fact, I must be, you know, suffering from amnesia or something. I can't remember when you last had me on the show. I know I've been on before because you smell sort of familiar, but oh, um, I, I just... Uh, my computer has a special sensor to detect that. It's, uh, it's like the Willy Wonka smell-o-vision kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think you were on the show shortly after you published Wet Goddess. Because if I recall, mm-hmm. uh, you were. Um, I remember you were wary of being on a podcast called Sick and Wrong because you just had a very <laughs> negative experience with a shock jock named Bubba the Love Sponge. Do you remember oh this? Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Oh, that guy's a real asshole. Um, I had experience with, how, with Bubba the Love Sponge. He actually ambushed, interviewed me after I got out of a shower. Uh, I did the interview. Glad there was no uh, video. Wait, were you wearing a towel? Because I was, I was just naked out on my lanai. Jo- with, okay, you know, just just completely naked right after a shower. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, I actually a- after Howard Stern. Um, the magazine that I had a gig with, uh, Harper Style, it's a local slick magazine, um, dropped me. They said, um, we're getting complaints from our advertisers, a lot of whom listen to Howard Stern. And they say if we run any more articles with your byline, they're going to drop their advertising. Goodbye. Wow, yeah, that's terrible. Did you ever get back on, or you just never severed ties? No, once I burn my bridges behind me mostly. <laughs> that's a scorched earth policy. That's I like what I that do. Too. But you know, to be honest, though, Howard Stern is the pinnacle of radio. So I mean, that must have helped the book sales. Well, I did manage to get um, my message out. I don't know. Uh, it's just that I remember she was making fun of me. And oh. she, like, was asking me questions, you know, would you rather have sex with a cow or a giraffe? God, oh, you know. Okay, so it got down to that level. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's Howard it's, Stern. Yeah, it's it's Howard yeah. Stern. And besides, I hadn't, <laughs> I, I would have been, I would have really had an edge to me uh, if I had actually gotten a sleep the night before. I'm so disturbed about the possibility of going on to Howard Stern. It was like self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It's got to be anxiety-inducing because, I mean, mm-hmm. you're on this guy, millions of people listening to you, and you know he's mm-hmm. going to, you know, eviscerate he's gonna you. He's going to be mean. And he's going to be oh, mean. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that, that's Howard Stern's technique. Although I do think he's mellowed out in recent years compared to how he was back then. So, how was the book received, though, in general? Like, you self-published this book. All of a sudden, you get these big interviews on, like, Howard Stern. So how was the book received? Um, yes, the book was the book received no official recognition from any of the um, renowned editors or commentators on public trends and stuff like that. But... Um, I noticed a phenomenon, and that is that people who buy a copy of Wet Goddess and loan it to one of their friends, they never get it back because 
somebody asks to borrow it, somebody asks to borrow it from them. This is a book that nobody wants to buy, but a lot of people want to read. <laughs> so I'm having an effect, I think, out of proportion to my sales. My sales right now are about 2,500 or, um, what is that? About 200 a year. Uh, and, um, not bad for 13 years after you published oh, it. I, I do say. have to say as well, especially in this day and age when people don't really want to buy books anymore. I'm not one uh-huh. of those people. I buy books. But, you uh-huh. know, people buy either the Kindle edition or people just don't read anymore. So I mean, 200, I, I think, for a book that came out 13 years ago. Yeah, I self-published expensive. a book about uh, my time as a strip club DJ. And I made a lot of money when it first came out. But now, I don't know, I'd probably make like $10. <laughs> So the fact that you make that much money is actually really impressive. <laughs> yeah, I think well, people forgot about Well, also the fact that. that I publish it myself, I take the risk, uh, but I reap the rewards. And instead of, you know, a dollar twenty-five per copy, I get yeah, going to the, the order of magnitude or two larger than that. <laughs> but um, um, do you think people took the book seriously? Or did they think it was kind of a joke, like an internet meme kind of joke? Well, that depends on um, what audience you're talking about. I think a great many people uh, somehow feel qualified to um, denounce me and my behavior, and sometimes the behavior of the dolphin, too, for all that matters. Uh, You know, they say I'm a rapist. Um, They say, you know, I must be sick. Uh, I, I I run over the old ladies, you know, shit like that. Some people, however, and especially since, see, there have been a couple of, I keep getting waves of recognition. 2010, the book came out, and I was very lucky to get um, a uh, a PR company that didn't charge me. They charged their customers on the receiving end of the news they put out and mm-hmm. i was a hit story i mean it went all over the place yeah. and um after that in 2011 um and an, a new zealand journalist had sat on an interview with me for a year uh i had done he'd asked me a bunch of questions and i videoed myself um answering them and sent him the tape so uh that got me another round of, um, and then the, in 2015, the film Dolphin Lover came out. Have you seen that, either yeah. of you? Yeah, you know, I haven't you seen have. the whole thing, but I've seen de- I've seen portions of it on the internet, on YouTube. You see Great it, documentary. Kate? I'm the same. I've only ever seen portions of it, but it has been. Oh, well, it's only 15 minutes long. Yeah. It's not. I've seen it's clips, actually but very yeah. entertaining. We should watch the rest of it, actually. Yeah, I don't know why the director insisted on my wearing that blue denim suit shirt that was about three sizes too large. Well, I didn't realize it at the time. I was perched on a metal stool with a shotgun microphone in my face and uh, the battery pack for a, uh, a lavalier microphone hitting me in the small of my back. Very uncomfortable and, and trying to, you know, narrate my life experience uh, while answering the director's questions. Altogether, um, 
I'm just amazed. I think it was a very good film. I think they were very honest and fair. There were a couple of um, factual mistakes, but I don't begrudge them that. I mean, it's it's great. It's a great promotional vehicle for the book. Definitely having a, a, a film like that out there. Well, it is also a lot of. I've been to a couple of showings of the film and, and spoken afterwards and taken questions from the audience and things like that. And um, a couple of people always stand up and say, you know, this really changes my mind about zoophilia. Oh. And then do they go on to date or, you know, have a relationship with an animal after that? No, they say, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, there can be such a thing as a human relationship with a dolphin or, you know, an animal. You're opening people's minds, which is... uh, Yeah. Which is always yeah. a good thing. So just to people that might not be aware, Malcolm, you published a fictional, I guess it's a fictionalized memoir because you used a character named Zachary Zimmerman, but he was mm-hmm. based on your, on your own experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a relationship, I think in the book, if I recall correctly, the, the dolphin was named Ruby, but mm-hmm. the dolphin that you had had a uh, connection with was named Dolly. Right. Is that, oh. is that correct? And, okay. Um, Dolphin Lover is a film recounting my experience. It's not a film of the novel. The The novel is roughly, as far as the dolphins go, 95% unchanged as far as my memories go. Um, You know, I, I was lousy at keeping field notes. I have a bunch of photographs, though, many of which are included in the book. Uh, which do sort of document how the relationship went along. Uh, I think the most telling photograph I got is the one where I was looking through the viewfinder. I was There was a young woman who I was hot for, and um, I wanted to really wow her, so I suggested I take her to the dolphin park so she can swim with the dolphins, because you were allowed to go in with this one female dolphin, Dolly, I mean, no. that's going to get a lady wet. I would say that she was sure. she was the most gentle dolphin in the place, according to the trainer. Not that day, um, oh. she did all kinds of mischief, and she ended up whacking my wannabe girlfriend upside the head with her snout. At which point, I ran into the water and threw my arms around her, you know, and told the girl, "Get out! I'll hold the dolphin," you know. And here I am thinking at her, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) And, you know, I'm getting, she might as well have been a chunk of coral. Other dolphin trainers have had this experience. Dolphins are telepathic and they can communicate with you, but they can also shut down in such a way that your thoughts are like, you know, getting sucked into a black hole. There's nothing coming back. Yeah, I mean, it sounds huh. like she was. I don't know. Do she was possessive. Dolly was jealous. Yeah, she yeah, was possessive. This is exactly the point. She yeah. was jealous. That's why I had to start taking this relationship seriously. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and yeah. you were telling me. I remember yeah. this that she courted you, like Dolly. Well, yes, that's, that's what people don't believe. That's why everybody hates me. They think I went there with the idea of seducing a dolphin. Nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah, Dolly. She, she came on to you. Yes, exactly. She, but I finally figured out why she chose me. Oh, why? Because I was the only person she'd met who was a zoophile. 
who was sexually attracted to animals. She sussed that out about me. And I think she... Is it a pheromone thing, maybe? No, dolphins have no sense of smell. So it's a telepathic thing, possibly. She kind of could tell. She knows. Yeah. Although, were you... But were you physically aroused around the dolphin, and maybe she sensed that? No. All right. So she could tell it. She had this telepathic connection. She's like, he's totally turned on by me. He you know? could be. He could yeah. be. That was be the mine. possibility. I wasn't totally turned on with her. It took five months of courtship for her to persuade me that it was okay for me to have to make love with her. How did she um, court you then? <laughs> did she like rub up against you? Did she put on well, like some Barry White? It's very interesting because um, she started out um, kind of like, she started out very gently at first, uh, just seeing if I would would rub her um, her genital slit, which is where her vagina and everything are. Um, and uh, I really didn't want to do that. And then she got a little more rambunctious and um, began nuzzling uh my groin nuzzling me behind the knees where you're very, very ticklish. It's very sensitive behind the knees. And, um, you know, um, rubbing, rubbing off against me, rubbing her genital slit against me. Sounds like she was masturbating. Yes. Uh, At one point I, I, I didn't want her to do this. I wanted to have, you know, conversations about the tides and popular culture. You know, maybe what fish was running that night, you know, but um, she, Ken Norris, Dr. Ken Norris, who was a very famous marine mammal specialist, said about dolphins, and he studied them on the high seas, dolphins have sex the way human beings shake hands. And that is the best analysis I've ever heard. Because we shake hands in many different ways, and we mean many different things by it, you know? Mm-hmm. And dolphins approach sex the same way. There can be an utterly casual, you know, hey, you want to fuck? And it can be something very profound. and and so, Much like humans. When, Do- when Dolly and I, not, well, when both of us, we both yeah. stepped outside of our, our barriers at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, she really, really, really wanted to know if human beings could have sex and how we did it. So tell me about this. You had, you told, you said you had intercourse in like a sideways type position, right? Like how would you have physical intercourse with a dolphin? I'm trying to picture dolphins. Okay. The way dolphins, there are two ways dolphins commonly have sex. Um, one is that the male, the female remains, in both cases, the female remains upright in the water. Okay. And she also controls propulsion with her swimming movements. Um, in the one way, the male turns upside down and swims underneath her so that they're belly to belly. So she's on top. And Yeah, she's on top. And she's controlling the movements. The male basically just erects himself and lets her do the work. You can see this if you watch a film of dolphins mating that way. The other way is much more, and that can be very quiet, very gentle. I mean, you may not 
it may just come together and bump bellies for a couple of seconds. If you don't know what to look for, you don't even see them mating unless realize, there's a yeah. little cloud of semen or something in the water. Uh, the other way is um, the way we ended up doing it because we had to try several different positions. Oh, some of them. Dolly had her own ideas about what would work or wouldn't. <laughs> So what ended up working? You did it like you could, did you like hold on to the side of the tank? This is going to sound very strange, but this is an example of, of dolphin telepathy when the dolphin was right there. I thought, okay, we, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. I'll try coming into her from the side. And I was on her right side and holding my penis. I started to come into her and there was just a slight reminder. Wrong side. So like I wrong switched hole? over to the other side. Oh. And she was perfectly happy. But what did you have the wrong hole or was it a No, know, no, it was just on the wrong side of the wrong side. Interesting. Coming into her from the wrong side. There I think the female dolphin's vagina is a little slanted or something. I don't know, but there's So they like it from the left, the left hand side. She Maybe did. just a different angle. But is the vagina very similar to a human female's vagina? Like, I've heard I guess, it is. structurally. No. No, it's, no, it's not. Um, I would say the tissue is a little um, more rubbery and not quite as tender as a woman's vagina. And also, there's uh, a series of valves in the vagina. Because remember, when a dolphin dives, it experiences water pressure. And as we saw in the recent uh, Titan um, ocean yeah. disaster, uh, water pressure is <laughs> its not an enemy to put up against carbon fiber at any rate. Steel, yeah. yeah. Steel can handle it. Carbon fiber, no. Um, but uh, the pressure at 1,000 feet, which is within the depth that dolphins, the bottlenose dolphins can dive to, um, the pressure is 450 pounds per square inch. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. And if, a, if salt water gets into a female dolphin's vagina, it turns out it will kill any sperm that are in there. Their sperm are very heat tolerant. Cetaceans, like dolphins and whales, are the only mammals that have their testicles internally. They're not in a sack outside the body where they're air-cooled. Their sperm can withstand the heat, but they can't withstand salt water. So the female's vagina has a series of things called pseudocervixes inside of it that sort of squeegee the salt water off the male's penis as it goes into her. And they've got a very tight valve at the outside. I couldn't get past that valve, which is called the exterior adductor valve. I was told that by a veterinarian in the know. And um, what the dolphin didn't seem to matter. I mean, uh, you've heard the expression, it's not the meat, it's the motion. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what, what it was. Well, she was, she was as much taking part as I was. Well, I was wondering if you would be large enough for the dolphin, because I remember one time I was at the Shedd Aquarium and I saw a beluga whale chasing another whale. He was obviously very aroused. And his penis was probably the size of my leg. It was huge. Like, so is the dolphin used to that? A male dolphin's penis isn't that much larger than the male humans. Than, than the male humans? Okay. And, so it's, um, it's close. They're, they're, they're differently constructed. I mean, he doesn't have a foreskin. 
Oh, yeah. on the other hand, um, my penis isn't made out of ligaments that you know stay erect even in cold water. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. It's in cold water, so I imagine it must be difficult. So, did you finish? Oh. Did you did you have sex till completion? Yes, she. I heard her. She. I heard her climax. So she, she had an orgasm. Wow. Yeah, oh, that's fascinating. It's just like oh, 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 and um, that's when I climax. And the fact was, <laughs> the funny thing is, I chuckled at the male dolphin. He was in the next pen over. Oh, he was. I had first it. tried to get a yes. Yeah, she had, she had been in a pen with him when I arrived at the park. And I tried to get into water Salacious. with her, and he was jealous. He was jealous as hell. But he tried to ram me. Something here. underwater made this terrific bam, and you know, um, I got into a boat and said, you know, enough of this. And then she did something remarkable. She swam between two very narrow boards through a gap where I literally didn't think she could make it. I thought she would get stuck. She blew out her lungs. She collapsed her chest. She swam through sideways into another pen. And then we had privacy. The oh. other dolphin was not going to perform that because she knew that dolphins hate to swim through narrow openings. You see, this is an example of what cognitive psychologists call theory of mind. And it's very rare that an animal shows it at all. Human beings don't develop until they're about four or five, I think. The ability to think what another creature must be thinking and to parlay that to your advantage. Um, you see, I, I, I literally, I couldn't, I couldn't justify not having sex with her anymore. It would be like a prejudice. Why, would I, why should I be prejudiced because of her body shape? That's she had a beautiful body for a dolphin. And she wanted to hold it against you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like you're definitely physically attracted to her. So quick question about the, the sex act itself. Did you finish inside of her or did you pull out? Because I would be concerned. Because do you think there's any way you could impregnate a dolphin? I think you're ignorant of the basic facts of reproduction. Not just human reproduction, but... Any species. I've never had sex with dolphins, so I'm not quite you, sure exactly how it works. You, yeah, well, you can't. No, we haven't had a common ancestor for about 95 million years. So it's very unlikely that we have enough DNA in common. To, to, you know, and human, yeah. human genes are weird because we, you know, all our near ancestors have, or our near relatives have 24 genes, and we have 23. Go figure. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, you you never. I, I think would, the I would, grays are hanging on to that last missing gene. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you ever met anyone else who's had a sexual relationship with a dolphin? Yes, um, I was put in contact with a, a personage out in uh, the western states, um, and uh, I visited this person on a trip out there, and um, this person, in fact, showed me a video of themselves having sex with the dolphin. Uh, this was, did not happen in an oceanarium in the U.S. And uh, it did happen with another trainer's consent, obviously. She was running the video camera. And they had, instead of having sex in the water like I did, they had sex on a beachy ramp, one of these sloped 
um, concrete like planes that the dolphins come up on, you know, to beast themselves. Side, again, side to side, basically. Kind of rough if you think about it, but... And um, we, you know, we did, we talked some shop about what it was like. He didn't have the same kind of um, really profound um, merging experience, but he said it was, you know, very pleasurable. But you and Dolly had a relationship, though. Like a spiritual connection, it sounds like. Yes. Yes, yes, we did. And that is the weird, that is the really weird thing. Definitely. We got, we somehow got entangled to steal a term from quantum physics, because that's exactly what happened. And um, somehow I knew that she was in trouble, but I had no means to travel across the country. Uh, I had nobody I could ask for the money, unfortunately. Yeah, at the time. There was nothing. Yeah. So um, I wrote it off as a bad dream, you know, stress. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a way to compartmentalize those feelings. So have you ever had another relationship like that with another dolphin or, or another animal since then? No. No. So it's um, I, did have, I did have sex with my dog, um, Pixel. I had a big dog. Uh, a, what breed? Uh, she was a mixed breed. I got her. The guy was giving away puppies uh, off the back of a truck in uh, Gallup, uh, it's a parking lot of a Walmart. No, in Grants, Grants, New Mexico. And uh, she was the only one whose tail had not been docked. And I said, why didn't you dock this one's tail? I said, I don't know. So I took her, um, raised her to a dog. I had another companion dog for her that was a spade. And, uh, I had good sex with her about three dozen times. I was oh, so multiple times. Did the, did the dog enjoy it? Like, was it mutually? Oh, yeah. As far as I can tell, you know, she seemed happy afterwards. She wagged her tail, you know. She gave me a squeeze when I climaxed. Dogs are very different from us in the way they have sex. I mean, they get stuck together and they go about it for, you know, half an hour or two. Who knows? Until um, the cows come home. <laughs> and um I'm not very they're not very romantic either. Well that's the thing. Did you have the same kind of romantic connection with a dog that you had with say, a dolphin? I think not a dolphin all. would be more romantic no. than a dog. The dolphin was romantic. That's yes. the interesting thing. You see, she changed her courtship style. And when she really won me over was when she began to get very delicate and very precise with me. She would open her jaws, and dolphins' mouths are full of teeth, and very gently take my arm in her mouth and run her teeth along my skin. And it would just make the hairs on my neck go up, because I knew that those jaws could bite a fucking barracuda in half if they wanted to. And here she was, applying them, you know, like a caress. Yeah, very, very gentle. It sounds like a caress. Yes. So, yes. Malcolm, were you able to have satisfying sexual relationships with a human after these experiences? I was going to well, ask you that. How I, I don't know. You'll have to ask my daughter. <laughs> okay, so your uh, daughter hey. was obviously... So you, were you married or you, you ended up having 
a relationship with a woman, then you had a, a, a child. How many kids? I, I've been you married have? twice. I've been okay. married twice. I have a child by my first wife. Uh, my daughter's 38. Oh, that's um, okay. She, hmm? I'm 38 too. Well, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess you're a millennial then. I am yeah. a millennial, yeah. What's your excuse? Uh, my excuse is I just get bored really easily. So, and plus <laughs> you also don't have to do what anyone tells you. That's uh, I would that's my advice to the ones above me. You don't have to do what they tell you to do. do you is it anything? awkward to bring up with your I guess human partner that your ex was a dolphin? Like how do you broach that topic? I don't know. I can't really remember um, all the times I brought it, brought it up. Yeah. But um, none of them ever really objected. Oh. I think they pretty much took me as I am. Um, in fact, I think one or two of them may have kind of gotten off on the fact. Um, Did they ever participate? Because, like, I mean, like you had the sex with the dog. Did they ever like hold the dog or be a part of it no 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 no, look i only have one sex partner at a time because it gets much too confusing you have more than that i've learned that from experience do you find any other marine mammals as attractive as you do a dolphin like a manatee for example I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. It's like a thick dolphin, kind of. Like, you know. But whenever people bring up that they've had relationships um, with a dolphin, I can understand it because dolphins are really intelligent. It is like, I don't know, a beluga whale as intelligent or wanting to be near humans like a dolphin. One of the things that is special about bottlenose dolphins and has been uh, since, you know, the ancient Greeks were writing about them. The bottlenose dolphin is a shallow water dolphin. That's its niche. And it's the bottlenose that most frequently comes in contact with human beings. And it's the bottlenose that most frequently um, decides, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to hang with a pot of dolphins anymore. I'm going to hang in the harbor here and see what happens with the humans. Um, My relationship with Dolly was quite unique. I didn't have that relationship with any of the other dolphins in Thera. They were not interested in me. She showed more interest in me than any female in in my life at that point. Including humans? Yes. And that's why I ended up making love with her. Good grief. I don't don't pursue people that don't want to be pursued. That would be stalking. Yeah, that would. But if somebody's throwing herself at me, you know, and you I may stop them. and, yeah. huh? And you fancy them too? It's just how it goes. Well, I did. It? You know, I, I ended up. I mean, I always thought she was an incredible athlete. I had uh, photos of her jumping, like you know, eleven feet out of the water beside a moving boat to take a piece of fish from a trainer's hand. And sometimes she even took a fish out of his mouth. Wow. That's how much trust this guy had. Were you jealous about and, that? No, no, no. Nobody else there had a sexual relationship with her. I'm sure of that. I do know one other guy, um, the trainer's brother, who worked there from time to time, told me he stuck his finger in her pussy, but he he said it like it was a joke, you know. Yeah. I wonder if she presented him herself to him like she did you. Sure, she did. She must have. She must have tried a lot of people. She got around to, and and. 
she was she was subtle about it. She wasn't obvious about it at first. She would, you know, do this thing where people were rubbing her, and then she'd swim forward and slowly turn over. And next thing you know, you're rubbing her body, and next thing you know, you're rubbing her genitals. And that's where she stops moving forward. Um, <laughs> She's a you know, and people, people had two reactions to that. They either get disgusted and get out of the water, or they'd laugh about it and get out of the water. But they all got out of the water. Well, except I didn't for that get guy. out of the water. Yeah, well, and the other guy who's like, you know, I might check her, check her out with my fingers. Yeah, you know? ah, he just, uh, well, let's just say that he was an interesting character when he wasn't totally uh, messed up. Well, it sounds like he was curious. So I don't want to give too much away. I think people should check out the book, The Wet Goddess, or the documentary, uh, just Dolphin Wet Goddess. Um, and uh, I want to move on to your a memoir that you recently published, Growing Up yes. in the Orgone Box, The Secrets of a Reikian Childhood. And, you yeah. know, what? I'm, I'm fascinated by this topic. And I was mm-hmm. reading... When I was doing some research, mm-hmm. I was reading about it. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, what, what are the odds that you experienced the techniques of Dr. Wilhelm Reich, who is a uh, subject of a, of a future show of Sick and Wrong? So your parents mm-hmm. were followers of uh, the mad doctor, Wilhelm Reich's philosophy, and Reich believed that orgasms were the key to mental and physical health for all ages of people, including children. Yes, how did your Absolutely parents get into right. this? He could judge. He could. He could establish your level of physical, mental, and emotional health by finding out how great an orgasm you had or didn't have, and that was pretty much his sole criteria. When he, you know, this this was the evolution of a process that started out with Reich doing some legitimate somewhat scientific inquiries into human sexuality, like measuring the electrical um, uh, uh, current passing through the skin when a person is aroused versus when they're not aroused, things like that. And um, he thought he discovered bions, which were like the a, pre, a pre-life form that turned into amoebas and spirochettes and different sorts of life and then he discovered orgo and energy and it was a biological energy to start with unique to living things but then it began to grow and grow and it turned into a monster it became universal it became responsible for the spiral shape of galaxies and gravity and the phenomenon of light and she was challenging albert einstein you know to a duel and uh Yeah, he was completely insane. He really did go batshit insane. Oh yeah, in life. he. This is why his followers will not admit the guy went absolutely fucking nuts. It's a classic. It's a classic case of narcissism, narcissistic delusion. If he'd been in politics, he'd be Trump. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of sounds like Scientology as well. There's like hints of Scientology in there. I mean, with a sexual bent towards it, because it was about harnessing that orgone energy. But I mean, he had some wacky theories. He believed that childhood sexuality should be affirmed. He felt that sexual relationships between unmarried teens, completely healthy, and that young people 
should have shelter where they can have unprotected sex. Like that's that's normal. But then you got other ideas I do agree with. Like he believed contraceptives should be available, abortion should be legal, and that uh, you know having children to bind a marriage is harmful. And and I do agree with things like that. Well, but um, Reich changed from being a real um, man of the people when he was young to being an arch conservative when he was old. And um, along the way, uh, it got kind of bumpy. Uh, for instance, he completely denounced homosexuals as sick. Um, he thought that uh, the missionary position was the only, quote, healthy position to have sex in. If you had sex from pines, you know, it meant you weren't really in contact with your partner. Um, this is like an old, how many old dead white guys do we have to have telling us how to have sex? <laughs> Too many. I, I got I'm, I'm getting like these ideas of uh, just flashbacks of Mike Pence. Yeah. Like this is, this kind of sounds like a lot of the uh, conservative Republicans that are currently running for president. Well, Ron yes, DeSantis. He even, he even developed a very, very conservative bent politically and, um, he got caught eventually by the uh, FDA sending his organ accumulators, of which my parents had one. We still have it in the family. My brother has it. So were uh, you ever put into the organ accumulator? Which is kind of like they call it a sex oh, box. All the time. I started. I, I had a very difficult birth, you see. I nearly killed my mother coming out, or she nearly killed me. One of the way or the other. Uh, it was never good for us after that, but um rocky from the start yes uh and um i started orgone therapy with dr duval at two weeks of age because you see organ therapy you don't have to talk you don't have to remember your dreams or make connections between you know symbolic things you just have to lie there and the, let the organomist find all your tensions and he will point them out to you with his finger. That's what Dr. Duval did. He would grind. He would look for the areas where you were holding in tension. And he would make you aware of them by grinding on them. I remember him squeezing my forehead with great ferocity and saying, why can't you relax? Relax. <laughs> I can't <laughs> relax when that hurts, doctor. You can't relax if you're screaming relax in my face. No. <laughs> you can't. So what was the orgone accumulator like? Like, why did he put people in there? Like, what was supposed to happen? Well, if you, um, if your orgone energy charge was low, which it could be due to several reasons, disease, cancer, you know, I don't know, malnutrition, the moon was blue, something. Um, it was charged, it charged you up. And um, people like uh, Sean Connery and, uh, oh God, who is that uh, writer? Um, A number of people, Norman Mailer, J.D. Salinger, mm -hmm. um, uh, Connery, Ginsburg had one. A lot oh, yeah, of, I mean, it was a fad Rose. back then. These... Yeah, every sucker had one because they all wanted better orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, especially beginning. Right, never <laughs> never said that the box would give you better orgasms, but everybody assumed it would. If you're all charged up with organ energy, you can't help but have better orgasms, can you? 
And are they egg-shaped or are they coffin-shaped? No, no. It looks like a little phone booth. It's made out of um, it's made out of galvanized uh, sheet steel on the inside. So the inside has a lot of crazed patterns on the steel, unless you paint it. And um, it's made out of that and alternating layers of uh, steel wool and cellotex, which is a wood fiber composite material. And you build three or four layers of that. You make sides and put them together with a top and a bottom. And you've got an art and build a little seat. And you got cut a hole for the ventilation put a light bulb in there, which, you know, back in the 1950s used to get hotter than the sun, um, even the 20-watt bulb. Uh, and um, y- you were best advised to sit in it naked so that you could absorb the ergon energy through your skin. I mean, this is just notorious bullshit. <laughs> My father was a radar engineer. He burned he burned my grandmother's mystic spirit writings when she died. Pages and pages of them. And my mother said, no, he didn't. But he believed in this nonsense. Yes, that's what I mean. My mother was a nurse in the RAF. She survived the Blitz. Uh, My father. And she believed it too? Hmm? Like she thought, did she ever, did they go into the the uh, sex box or the organ accumulator? Everybody well? in my family used it. I'm surprised the dog families. didn't go in. Huh? <laughs> was it always like it would just be for one person? Or could yeah. You build a family Unless family? I was in there sitting on my mother's lap, you know, when I was yeah. two or three, because they kept it down in the basement. You weren't supposed to keep it around, you know, people. And it was real scary to go down there as a little kid. And I can remember, it's supposed to be therapeutic, right? And I can remember standing at the top of the stairs and looking down them as descent into darkness, okay? There's no lights on in the cellar, you know? You have to, or there's one light, one little bulb, something. And uh, I don't want to go down there and go sit in this thing for 10 minutes, you know? And my mother is just like, okay, Malcolm, you've got to go down now. And finally she gets exasperated and she says get on down there oh it's the back of my hand to you and i just went down the stairs because the boogeymen were bad but my mother was worse <laughs> right. oh, yeah you don't want to feel the back of the hand so then you would just sit in there for 10 minutes is it just quiet there's no there's no sound yeah, can you take a book or oh, do you sure you can, you can jerk off in there if you want i don't care but <laughs> you could knit you know but- you could write I just don't get what happens when you walk out. Are you supposed to be like, I have my orgone energies restored and now I can go about my day. Is that, is that how it's supposed to work? Yeah. That's supposed, that's how it's supposed to work. So malcolmbrenner.com. That's your website. People go check it out. You can also search uh, Amazon for, uh, for Malcolm's books as well. Malcolm, thanks for being on the show. It's, it was great catching up with you. And uh, I'm definitely going to check out um, uh, your book about Dr. Wilhelm Reich. Okay, and um, it's it's only available uh, from Smashwords as an ebook right now, but I will let you know if I have it reprinted anytime soon. Okay, great, and uh, we'll put a link to your website on uh, on when we post the show. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, Kate, is Rambo really your last name? No. Do you know the band The Ramones? Yeah. So The Ramones. Can you remember Rock and Roll High School, the film? Oh yeah. 
So it's not the main girl. She has a best friend who's really nerdy and likes to drink beer. And her name is Kate Rambeau. So I've always been in bands. And it was like my stage name for being in bands because I love the Ramones. But my my real last name is Farburn, which is a Viking Viking Scottish name because I'm right in the very north of England. So it's all Viking territory here. She's like on the border right. of Scot- with Scotland. It would be cool dope. if my last name was Rambo. But I mean, I like it because it's obviously got the John J. Rambo connotations and the poet too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the poet. Everybody remembers the poet. Thank you very much for having me on, folks. Thank you. All right. Thank great. you, Malcolm. You take care. Support the Orca Uprising. <laughs> oh, definitely. For sure. That's been the best yeah. part about it. Sink the rich. <laughs> I'm in solidarity with the Orcas. All right. Take care. Yes. So long. Bye now. Kate, I have to say, you really got on well with uh, with, with Malcolm. I, I would almost say that was like a surrogate father for you. I'm going to go out on a, a fin here and say, yeah, I really liked him. Like, I, yeah, I thought he was really affable and really nice. I could have listened to him talk for a lot longer as well. I had a lot more questions I wanted to ask him. We're going to post the full interview on, uh, on, the, on Patreon. Obviously, we can't play the whole thing. We talked to him for a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had all the qualities that you wanted in Drunk Dad that, that Drunk Dad didn't have. Same name as Drunk Dad, too. And the I'm same name. the same name as his daughter. So there is probably a parallel universe out there where I am that Malcolm's daughter. And I think I would have been happier. Well, I really liked him. Question, did Drunk Dad ever sodomize the family dog? We did have a family dog, and my dad did get drunk. But... If anything, it was like a lot of things in my family. It would have been a secret until it became a traumatic reality. But you never like so, walked downstairs yeah. and he was just like, go upstairs. God damn it. I'm busy. <laughs> my dicks. My dicks in digger. I'm just <laughs> fucking digger. <laughs> Show me that red rocket. That never happened. <laughs> uh, my dog was very aggressive. So I think my dog probably would have just killed him. But uh, no. Would I have held it against him? No. I think if anything, if you keep secrets from your kids, that's what causes trauma and resentment. But I'm pretty sure this guy's always been open about what happened to him. Well, you know, last time he was on the show, Malcolm was like, he he would only talk about the relationship with the dolphin and not any other animal. So I was a little surprised he opened up about, you know, his dog and the sex he had with his dog. But I did ask him last time about, his his daughter his relationship with his daughter and how she felt about the book and he said that his daughter designed the cover of the book so she must have been totally like you know my dad's a great author and he fucks dolphins and i think that's really cool like would you have had the same sentiment if drunk dad fucked the family dog and told you about it you know if the dog is wanting the sex then you can't really you can't really say it's a bad thing and that dolphin (laughs) sounded horny i'm sorry that dolphin wanted fucked and it's like he said, that dolphin was flirting with him. She was doing things Courting him. so that she could get Malcolm's dick. Yeah. So I put no blame on the dolphin or the dog. If the dog is wanting shagged, the dog's going to get shagged. <laughs> it sounds like I'm about to do it. <laughs> that dolphin was setting down thirst traps. Um, you're just trying to justify the behavior, which I don't understand. Maybe it's because the connection you have with Malcolm. But I kind of think it's kind of like necrophilia and cannibalism in a way. It's on that kind of level where it's kind of a victimless crime. Where 
unless you're taking animals and raping them and hurting them, like never fuck a chicken. Don't don't shag a bird in their kulakas. They don't like it. But if an animal is displaying, like dogs will hump you. So is that not then an invitation to hump the dog? I don't think so. But, I'm not but, saying but I would do it. It's a bit disturbing, but... your rationale here. I mean, I remember Wackerly used to say, bestiality is fine if the dog is fucking you, but not the other way around. All right, because, yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, but... I mean, the, it's natural for a dog to hump something, and I guess if you put Well, is it not natural for us to have sex? But I don't know if it's natural for us to have sex with a dog. Like, with a human, yes, but I don't know with a dog, and I don't know if it's natural... To have interspecies sex with like a well, cat or a dog or something like that, even though they do have, you know, genitalia that you can penetrate. I just don't know if it's something. I do. I know. think the I don't more think intelligent it's, I think it's the animal that you can connect with, I can justify it more. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't. If you're shagging a cat or a bird, even though birds are very intelligent, then you're yeah, that's kind of like on the you're going to be a serial killer when you grow up type deal. I think if you're shagging but, a dog, it's also questionable. And I I wonder you don't know maybe it could be the pleasurable for the for the bird. I mean, you don't know. Hey, I mean, we don't know. I mean, cloaca. Maybe it's. You know, it, it it has some kind of nerve endings in there that, that stimulate it. I don't really know. I think I personally, and I don't think I'm puritanical by saying this, is I think humans should probably have sex with humans. Yeah, obviously I'm just going to have sex with humans. But I'm, what I'm saying is I don't look down upon Malcolm for what he's done. And if anything, I kind of applaud him for his honesty. Because... It's, I do think like it's a deviant truthful. sexual practice. I wouldn't say I judge him on that. I think it's fine. If he was having sex with children, I think I would I would judge him on that. But yeah, <laughs> I mean not it's, and doesn't. Let's I don't tend to, to judge most people because I mean, look at my life. But I don't condone having sex with animals. Personally, that's my own personal belief. Unlike my, my co host. So no, I don't. um <laughs> <laughs> She's totally cool with having sex with animals, dead people, <laughs> totally fine, totally fine. And you can eat dead people too, I've got no problem with that. But anyway, people go check out MalcolmJBrenner.com and uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find He's his lovely on Amazon. Um, this episode 900 here, a, a big celebration, 900 episodes of Sick and Wrong. We got some phone calls coming up next from uh, some listeners who have listened to, to us over the years and uh, had a few words of congratulations that they want to share with us. Uh, 323-522-4032 is the number of the Sick and Wrong hotline. Uh, but, but right now, let's uh, play a message from Adam and Eve. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Hot. Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs three for a little inspiration plus a free extra gift so sensual we can't even mention it on the radio <laughs> and to top it all off we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order and no we're not teasing so check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer get 50% off one item when you type diddle for the offer code upon checkout when you do you'll get three free DVDs a free extra gift and free shipping. Just use offer code DIDDLE at adamandeve.com. 
So, Kay Rambo, we got a few phone calls. A few phone calls from people that want to call in and uh, wish us a happy 900. It's a big milestone here. I'm yes, uh, ecstatic. Doing Looking back nine, on my legacy. Much, how many episodes have you missed? I know you, you obviously missed one when you went to Japan. You know, listening, listening back yesterday, trying to find the, uh, the, the Dolphin the original interview with Malcolm, um, there are a number of episodes that really sounded like shit. And those are the ones that Wackily recorded himself. Like there's one that, I, it sounds like he's in a box. Like he sounds like he's probably in one of those sex boxes. And uh, I'm sure Wackily would be the type of guy that would have a sex box. But it's like, it's okay. like an echo and it just sounds terrible. But he's re- it's the one where he reads A Tree oh, Grows, tree in, grows Brooklyn. in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's an iconic episode that one day I will listen. There, I always thought a when few. I listen to the archives, that's going to be the last episode I will ever listen to. There were a few that I missed. Uh, when my dad died, I had to miss like, I think two. And one of them I actually called in. And was so as kind of on it, but that's there, a fun episode. Yeah, yeah that was wackily. Uh, well, it was it was kind of funny. I mean, well, it was a dark one, but I mean, I, I think I was talking about um, the the drugs my dad had left behind that I that, that pocketed. You were on. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, that one. And then I went to Europe, and wackily filled in with me and when I went for a trip to Europe. And I missed one episode with Harrison. I can't remember why, but it was when Jizzy Jake. And uh, Schlitzy, Schlitzy were on the show. Yeah, that was when you went to Japan. Oh, it's when I went to Japan. Yeah. So that, but yeah, for the most part, I've been on almost almost all 900 episodes, which is, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or if it's a character flaw. There's something fundamentally wrong with me. But not according to these listeners who called in to uh, wish us congrats. So uh, let's play a few of these. Hey, guys, it's Liam again. Um, I'm just calling to say congratulations on 900 episodes. God damn, most, most garbage soap operas don't even make it that far. But, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. But most soap operas don't talk, don't talk about rapists, murderers, crazy shit that you guys talk about. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. And this is such a fun show to listen to while I work and do menial tasks and I don't know who the guest is right now, but uh, Bob, if that's you, you're a fucking lunatic, and I love you, <laughs> but congratulations. Um, excuse me, but have fun, and I hope we make it to a 1,000. That's all I hope we do. Let's make it to a 1,000, and let's just go on forever. Why the hell not? So congratulations, and you all have a wonderful day. You know, I thought Liam Neeson Aww, was Welsh. Well, Liam Neeson isn't Welsh. Was oh he Welsh God, or dude. Irish or something? This guy sounds American. Irish. As an aside, I don't know about this Liam. I can't, I've never seen like him. Like I've never like judged what's going on in the trouser department of this Liam. But the real Liam Neeson, one of the biggest schlongs in Hollywood. Him and Steve Buscemi and Willem Dafoe, the three biggest dicks in Hollywood. Way bigger than Milton Berle's. Milton Bell did also have a big cock, but yes, those Liam Neeson hits like down to his knee practically. That's how that's fucking how big it is, wow. and that's why I always think he's got wet patches on his trousers because he generally can't feel that he needs to go piss because the nerve endings just like don't reach his dick. Maybe it's, it's so just the big. dribble because there's so much piss coming out. You know, it's a long way to travel. 
That's hung like I a horse, that well. Liam Neeson. I think the Liam that just called in is also probably hung like a horse. He sounds like it. Thank you, Liam. Um, after that message. Yeah, we cool. we appreciate the uh, the kind words and thanks for listening all these years. I mean, I don't know if I'll do. You know, what I was thinking about that. Like, do you think you know I have to hit a thousand episodes? I think it'd be funnier just to stop at nine nine nine. Oh, you're a savage. Oh, my goodness. No, I couldn't rest with that. That just, would, like, torment my soul. No episode 1000. We're just 999. That's it. I don't know. Although, I, don't know what's gonna happen. I did love the 999. Uh, you won't have grown up with it, but British kids will have, we grew up, obviously, with the telly show 999, which is where they followed around, um, you know, fucking police. Like ambulances? The police. On a, it was kind of like our version of cops, but it wasn't as good. And it wasn't as, like, garbagely like trash telly i loved cops but uh yeah 999 had a very iconic theme song and that's all hmm. i can think we of. didn't have, we would uh, have to just play that what was it bad cops bad cops what you gonna what do what you gonna do what you gonna do when they come you know what? i might i know they went they only canceled cops like two years ago or was that it was, three years ago you know if you listen to the archives that was wackily's favorite show I mean, he watched it all the time. Who doesn't love cops? It's even I'm, mentioned in Bloodhound Gang songs. Come on. Well, I like cops too. So it was fun. And plus, the cops in different cities, that was the best part. Um, I might rewatch all of cops. All of it. I mean, all like 25 seasons. That's good reality television. Uh, here's another longtime listener. Rooker calls in. Good evening, Sycamore. Long time listener here. Been listening back since 2006. Nearly 17 years of my life I've been listening Mental. to this utter fucking bullshit. <laughs> through Wackily, through that fucking knobhead Harrison, to the absolutely superb northern slag, Kate Rambo, <laughs> yes, who has been a perfect addition. I gotta start saying slag. That slag. And draw it out. Again, I think slag is just a British word. You guys can say slut, though. I, I prefer slag. I kind of like saying it. Like an American, too. Like slag. Yeah, slag. Get over here, slag. Anyone not signed up to the Patreon, you should. The second show is fucking gold. It's £5 a month. What are you going to get for that? In England here, you can't even get fish and chips, a cup of tea... You can't even get a wank off a homeless person for that. <laughs> so for five pounds or five dollars a month, sign up. What could possibly go wrong? Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Love you guys. Ah, uh, thank you, man. Do appreciate oh, awesome. that. Yeah, I mean, Cheers, second. Luca. That's that's the one thing I've thought about with this show, and I don't know if it would ever happen. But just in terms of the future of the show, it's it is taxing. It takes a lot of my time. And it's not like we make a ton of money off of it. It's not like I can live off of this. And and I do work a, well, a very demanding job. You know, I work in the in the entertainment industry, and it's a very demanding job. So for me, I'm pretty much working every day. And so I could see a future where we don't do the regular show anymore. But we're just on second show because second shows it's it's easier and it's a lot more fun. It's personal. I mean, we just pretty much it's just me and Kate just shooting the shit about our week. And I don't have to like research yeah. an intro topic, or and occasionally, you know, we'll do a phone call or we'll, you know, find a true crime story that someone sends in. So it's a lot more relaxed. So it's easier for me to do. So I could see, you know, the future of sick and wrong just being second show, because the main show. I mean, believe it or not, we do put a lot of effort researching these intro topics we do every week. Yeah, I mean, people don't really understand when you say like, well, it takes a lot of work, but. 
I do something to do with the podcast every day and you do. And when the hours slowly add up, you're like, holy shit, it is nearly like a full-time job, especially if you're researching a really big subject. Yo, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it takes yeah. a long time to, to really get into it. Where a second show, I could I could do a script for a well, second show fun. in like you know five minutes, or it's completely off the cuff because we're just talking, shooting the shit. So it's a, it's a lot easier. The second show. I don't see myself right now because I'm kind of pathological, and maybe it's my OCD. I don't see myself stopping doing this show because I still enjoy doing the research and finding topics that we've. I mean, seventeen years, there are still topics we've never covered. Which is, is kind of hard to believe. Yeah, you know and I mean, mean you'll we'll never cover them all. There's just so so. There's much there's so much. I think what it is is it's like having an eye for something and understanding our audience, like what what would work for them. You know, I think about this, and I, I sometimes I kick myself, but sometimes I'm kind of like, nah, I'm glad you know we turned out the way we've evolved, the way we have. Initially, when my because sick and wrong was all my idea because I was doing you know, Rampage Radio back then. And we used to do news stories in between playing, you know, death metal. And then I was like, you know, maybe I'll take the metal out and I'll just do, you know, sick and wrong news stories and like true crime and things like that. So initially when we started doing the show, I wanted to just do straight true crime, like John Wayne Gacy this episode, Tim Bundy next episode, Jeffrey Dahmer this episode, and just kind of go through that and do it. I probably would have been the first podcast to do that. At the I time, I think you probably were one of the first podcast, even though you didn't become true crime. Well, we weren't. Like, we did true crime, but we weren't exclusively true crime. True crime. Wackerly was just like not doing that. Boring. Not going to do that. Wackerly's and so, right. I know, but I think about it. Like, had we been doing it, what you know, what would our what would our show be today? You know, I mean, would we be like fucking sword and scale or something? Well, that's funny you mentioned sword and scale because I was listening because Mike Boudet is such a troll. Like, I like his sense of humor. I think he's like, you know, he's an antagonizer. I get that. But he was saying the other day, he was like, oh, 10 years I've been doing uh, sword and scale, the first ever true crime podcast. I was like, Dee was probably covering Ricky Ramirez like in the year 2006. Yeah, I mean, we did true crime back then yeah. too i think it was wackily you just didn't want to be exclusively true crime and i, I think, agree though this show know, would be so boring if we just did true like i love murder as well and i'm super into it but like just listening to true like just another true crime episode every week like, well it's just boring now, even case files doesn't just do true crime. i mean now it's oversaturated that the market everyone's you know every middle-aged housewife has a true crime show with her friend they drink wine and talk true crime oh my god don't get me started, yeah <laughs> but please. I mean, going back to the archives like I did last night, I was kind of, you know, over, you know, overwhelmed, kind of, I was a little bit verklempt, overcome with emotion, listening to like all the different weird shit that we got into over the years. I mean, just so much random weird topics that we somehow found out about and looked into research and, and brought up on the show. And I think that's kind of what makes our show stand out, you know, from a lot of other, other podcasts, especially from that era. Well, and, even now, and even now, and even now, I mean, I think crime. we we always put on a twist on Malcolm it. If you hadn't, if you did just stuck to true crime, I never would have met my other dad, Malcolm. Yeah, you never would have met your surrogate father who has sex with dolphins. You got, it is disturbing how well you two got on. Like, I mean, people. I'm going to post some of the clips in the video, but it's like everything Malcolm said. Kate was smiling, laughing along. It was like there was a connection. I was like a very, probably very similar to the connection he had with the dolphin, like a telepathic I thing. I wonder if I could telepathically connect with a dolphin, because he could. So I wonder, if, I I wonder could. if you could bump bagels with one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next call here, <laughs> Stuart. 
Stuart calls in. Nice. Hi, guys. Stuart here. Just calling in to wish you guys a happy 900th episode. It's hard to believe how many years the show has been going. I'm pretty sure some of the newer listeners weren't even born when you first started. <laughs> if you think about the relationship between you guys and the listeners, it's a strange one. I mean, in the sense of we know so much about you guys because you lay it all out there. But on the other hand, you don't really know much about us apart from what we share in the Discord. It'll be great to hang out with you guys when you're in London in August. As Kate knows of our upcoming holiday in Scotland, I'll bring back a nice bottle of whiskey for you guys. So once again, congrats on the milestone 900 and hope for another 900 to come. I don't know how it's senile D will be by, by then, <laughs> but I'm sure Kate will make a great carer. So take care, guys. Ciao. Yeah, she's going to change my depends. Another yeah, 900 episodes. Like... Old and... Your depends? Yeah, my adult diapers. Oh, is that what you call them in the States? But that's the... we call the... You know, there's another British word because we call them nappies. But, but I thought nappies were for children. Well, yeah, but when you're an adult, they're still nappies, aren't they? Well, no, here they have adult diapers. They're called... Depends is the brand name. But right, they, but you would never yeah. call them a diaper because it's degrading or something. Yeah, I mean, I think it... Yeah, people would think it was degrading. Thank you, Stuart. And uh, yeah, you know, before Kate officially moves here, I'm going to try to come out I mean, it might be in August, maybe September, but I'm going to try to come out there for a you know a couple of weeks or so. Got to help you move back. Um, but also, I would love to like spend a couple of days in London and just uh, you know do a meetup with everybody. We'll find like a cool pub Hang to out. meet up at and uh, just have a few drinks. I think that'd be a good time. I, I do love the connection uh, with with the you know with the audience and the and the listeners. It is great when you get to hang out with everybody. Especially people that it yeah, is it's, it's, it is weird. It is very unnerving that they can they can like pinpoint and bring up memories that I've repressed and I don't even think about anymore. And they'll bring it up and be like, oh yeah, but in episode you know three hundred and twenty nine, you said this, and I was just like, oh yeah, I forgot about that you know for what, a reason. Dude, you've been like part of some people's lives for like nearly twenty years. Like, I think that's a really cool thing. It's like kind of like, you know, I've been listening to The Damned since I was 16. It's like, I can kind of see what Stuart's saying. It's like, it's like me in Niagara, Detroit or something. You know what I mean? It's like, you've always been in my life. Like, that's how but, people will think about you. But I think with the podcast, though, you have a different connection with people that are just on the radio or like a rock star or right. something. You know, I mean, it's cool, though, with Niagara, like she'll comment on your Instagram post and reply back to you. I think that's kind of cool. But with podcasts, you I can write call poems in. to Niagara. <laughs> yeah, well, you can call in and there's like Discord and things like that. And like, you know, active conversations on the Patreon and stuff like that. So many ways to connect with the audience, which is cool. All right, last call we have here is from Multi-Twat Man. Um, he calls in. D, Kate, this is Multi-Twat Man. I was going to wait until episode 1000 to finally break my voicemail cherry but um i'm a little concerned oh. frankly now that you're unlikely to reach that 1000 episode benchmark wedded bliss is on the horizon i know you're married already but you know kate's finalizing her uh, move over to the us and i just have this vision certainly within the next 100 episodes of i gotta say he sounds just like ray winstone yeah, but he's from the North, mate. Yeah, but is Ray, where's Ray Winston from? 
fucking London. Yeah, his voice, though, it just reminds me of uh, Ray Winston. Is it just the gravel? May, it must gravel be the gravel, voice. the gravelly voice. Yeah. yeah, because you know why? Because being, he's been gone down pit and up chimney probably since he was about seven. Who? Uh, Multi twat man? Aye. <laughs> probably. Two Went right northern then. <laughs> sat down in wedded bliss, gaining weight. Kate introducing Dean to Anton Dex Saturday night takeaway and not happening. Michael McIntyre, Graham Norton, or whatever not the equivalent happening. is over in LA, and uh, you know Dean introducing Kate to America's Got Talent on a Saturday night, and that replacing evenings at the Rainbow or wherever, doing that with a weekly takeout. And, uh, you know, then after a little while, the two of you buy a, a small farm and um, decide to live okay. off the land and have loads of little D's and Kate's running around. Well, that's never going to nah, happen. that's not <laughs> happening, mate, because the, one of the first plans is pretty much as soon as I can learn to drive, I'm driving D to go and get his balls chopped off because that's well, what they do. I'm not getting my balls chopped off, but I will be getting a vasectomy because... You're getting a ball, ball vasectomy. Kate is very fertile. How many abortions have you had? Like 12? At least five. I've lost yeah. count now. At least five. And most of them yeah. still live in the behind the walls, like in her living room. My least room. favorite ones live in the walls, but my favorite ones, they live in the basement. And every so often, I'll just chuck a, like, a fish head down there and you can hear them. They're going, ha, 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 It's scary to get the fish heads, yeah. I don't want to make another one of these mutants, so I'm going to get a vasectomy. Oh, God, so can you imagine? That's not going to happen. Your nose meeting my nose and your, well, your original nose as well. And your original teeth meeting my original teeth. It would be an absolute monster. And my poofy Jew hair. Could you imagine that? Well, see, it would definitely have curly hair because I have my dad's Jew fro, but it's just my hair's long. It like drags out the curls. So oh, it would like... oh, have a hundred percent have curly hair. Might have ginger curly hair too. Cause that gene is in my family. It would be an aberration oh. of nature. The villagers, the Cumbrian villagers would like, come with torches and pitchforks and run it out of town. I don't want that to happen. I don't think anyone should, uh, you know, should, should create an animal. An animal but like even Malcolm Brenner went fuck. I don't want uh, that to God, happen. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want it. I'd be like, Malcolm, mate, you're better than this. Come on now. But you know what? He does have a point. Like, I don't see us living in Los Angeles forever. I imagine there will be a time when we move. I know Kate really loves Eureka, California, for some no, reason. No, I don't. I want to I want to move further, like probably Washington or Oregon, because I just I know I'll really like the climate up there. I, I, I love it. Up I'll there be more too. used to it. Yeah, I love it up there, too. And it's way more affordable than down here. Exactly. The chopping wood and Kate tend into the uh, chickens or something. Chickens? And, you know, second yes. wrong just becomes a, an afterthought. You know, maybe you join one of Wackley's uh, Eagle Clubs, <laughs> I think it's called, to, to get discount on uh, craft beers. And D grows a lengthy beard and goes bald. Just in case. Just in case that happens in the next 100 weeks, next two years, not totally unfeasible. I just wanted to say thanks for the memories for the past, uh, oh, I don't know how many years it is now. I think I've been listening since about 2009. So do the maths. Wow. And, of course... Couldn't let the moment pass without calling out some of the great characters from the annals of Second Wrong. Wackley, Harrison, Steele, and my always my favourite guest, Jeffrey. And, uh, you know, a couple of special mentions from me. 
from the archives of my memories of the old days on the old sick and wrong forum of uh, Duramater, oh, yeah. Kendra, Hannah. I mention all of those in order of the number of times I jerked off to their photos in the forum. <laughs> Do you, if you've still got access, then, you know, send me a link. And that's it. So thanks for the memories. Thanks for the laughs. Thanks for the stories. And uh, take it sleazy. Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. <laughs> Thank you there, multi-twat man. God, I haven't thought about Duramater or Hannah in a long time. Yeah, this talk. is way before they sound your time. Hot. Pardon? They sound hot. Yeah, there were. I mean, there still are hot, hot women, attractive women that listen to the show. Fucking tons of them, mate. Yeah, Come I on. think actually we have more female listeners now than we ever have, probably because and they're of female all fucking co-hosts. hotties. They send yeah. me pictures of themselves in sick and wrong merch. I'm but like, fucking hot. Back in like the early days of podcasting, like in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I don't know how these sexy women found this 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 deplorable show. I mean, it's just a, a wretched show that we talk about such horrible things. And they would send in pictures of their titties. They would like some girls would get like butt naked. And like oh, the wow. forum was this lawless piece of the internet. Like I, I can't well, it remember. It was the golden age of the internet, wasn't it? Yeah, and like the second wrong forum was like the consumption junction forum, and like some of those other ones um, at the time, like just terrible things on there. The guy. If I remember correctly, the guy was named Die Hard, and he was like a Mountie, and he hosted it in Canada, the original Sick and Wrong Forum, and just these reprobates were on, you know who you are, you were on it, and they would just, they would post the most horrible things. I loved it. It was hilarious. I've, I've just, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at Discord. I'm not good at like, you know, social media in general. I'm a little too old. I would jump on every now and then and see what was going on. And sort of wackily. I don't know if wackily was that regular on there. Um, but I definitely would, would go on there to see the, the hot naked chicks that would post see naked the pictures. There's another woman, like the crazy cat lady. And there's this, uh, this guy that like met her and then flew across the country and they got married through the forum. It, no. it was a weird, yeah, it was a bizarre community. And then Someone started posting like CP. I don't know if it was K Rambo, but maybe. But it someone wasn't. Was po- it was just a meme. <laughs> someone was posting CP and the Mountie was like, I'm done with this. And he took it down and, you know, Good. wackily disavowed any connection to the forum because it really wasn't us that, you know, moderated. Yeah, it, it was, this, it was this a separate hot. entity. Can I just say, Mount, all Mounties are hot. There's just something hot about a Mountie. Like, you can say, like, oh, yeah, American police, you're like, boo. Mounties hot. I think you just like the term Mountie. Um, they're just, you know, they're in the red jackets with that fucking brown hat, kind of Twin Peaksy. They're on a horse. Jacket. They're going through the wilderness. You know, they go up waterfalls. It's hot. Yeah, teach your own. Um, then the second generation, this Russian guy launched it. His name is Bester. A lot of people didn't like it. And that one. That one was even worse than the original Sick and Wrong Forum because that one just became this place where just these incels would congregate. They would say horrible things to women. It was like tits or get the fuck out. Just like it was pretty terrible. And at that point, me and Wackley just totally severed ties with it. I don't know what happened to that one. Maybe it's on there. Maybe you can go back into the Wayback Machine and still find it. I think Bonavillain was on that forum. Yeah, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was a big fan of that forum. <laughs> but yeah, it is crazy, like how um, God, how many people have listened to the show over the years. 
the lives that it touched and the lives that it ruined. And who knows what happened to a lot of these people now. You know, I, I, I commend, you know, longtime listeners will remember a Canadian woman named Kendra that was a frequent collaborator and contributor to the show. Um, she had like a Baphomet sigil right between her tits. And she'd come down on the show um, a couple times. She came to San Francisco from uh, Vancouver, and she was a junkie. She, I think she would have, I think Harrison would have been really into her. But I remember she was yeah, on the show, like and it. she had like went to Oakland because she was hanging out with some, I forget, this guy was like an MMA fighter guy. And she had like a gangbang with like six of his friends and didn't even know the guy. Like she had just met him online and was coming down there just for the gangbang. And me and Wackerly, just one of the archive episodes were like, so how's this going to work? Like you're just going to go to some dude's house, go to the basement and have a gangbang? Like we're, we're, you know, we're asking. Pretty She's much. totally cool with talking about it. Well, this woman stopped doing heroin, completely changed her life, obviously dropped sick and wrong because I'm sure it was a negative influence on her, became like a like a marathon Politician. runner and like a, like a nuclear engineer and like oh, wow. can, completely changed her life around. I looked her up on Facebook the other day and I was like, God, good for you for, for moving on me. I'm still doing this every Yeah, but do you think week. she tells, whereas Malcolm is very open about his sexual deviancy. Do you think she tells the kids about the time that mummy went to Oakland to have a gangbang? Cause I'd be proud of that. I'd be like, well, you know what? Mummy once had 16 dicks in it, and I was walking fine the next day. Your mum's a fucking warrior. I mean, she can't hide the Baphomet sigil tattoo unless she got it removed. Ooh, that'd be so painful. Yeah, right on her sternum, too. Ooh, God. Anyway, thanks to everybody for listening to the show all these years. I mean, it is... Thanks to you, Dee. It's incredible. I mean, thank you, and I appreciate that. And I know people are shocked that this podcast is still around. Like, I've, you know, our, uh, our Instagram page has been taken off mainly because I'm a meme lord now. I'm, I'm in touch with the, uh, the Gen <laughs> Please Zers. Please refer to yourself as a meme lord. I'm a Please meme lord. Don't. I'm a lord of the memes. I'm, oh my God, uh, we're getting a divorce. That's I'm, I'm, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with the Gen Z crowd, so I can, I can post reels. <laughs> Whatever. I posted a reel, went kind of viral. I posted a reel, went kind of viral, and uh, we've gotten a lot of listeners to the show. But it's funny when you see the comments on some of these. Like that one video yeah. I posted got like 2 million views or 2.5. And a couple people commented like, holy shit, this podcast is still around? What yeah, the I fuck? Like They're still going? And it's like, yeah, I, I, I feel that way every day, mister. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I, you, you're not as shocked as I am that I still do it. I, you know what I think it is? I think it's my OCD. It's like I need something uh, well, to when- do every week. I would be like, 1,000 is a really nice goal to end on and not 999. We will have vicious fights about this if you want to end the show on 999. 999 I'll just get Wackerly back in and he'll do episode 1,000 where he reads the rest of when it, where, a tree, where when a tree grows in Brooklyn. I don't know. I've never read that book. That'll oh, be yeah. episode 1,000. Well, you could just listen to Wackerly read it for a whole episode. It's, it's riveting, believe me. <laughs> anyway, people, thanks for listening to the show all these years. And we're going to keep going for the foreseeable future. Maybe we'll hit episode 1000. Maybe we'll hit episode 999. Remains to Stop be seen. Um, anyway, sick and wrong song of the week. I was trying to find something that, uh, that, that kind of reflects my attitude about doing these shows for, uh, for, for 17 years and still doing it every week. <gasps> And the first song that came to mind, which was uh, a bit of a coincidence because he just had his birthday yesterday, 
was Glenn Danzig's Tired of Being Alive. And I could say, <laughs> yeah, right. okay. I, I, I can, I can uh, empathize and uh, commiserate with that song because... I would have gone with Alice Cooper at 17, personally. Oh, no, it's 18, 18. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. maybe next year. We'll see that um, But yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm tired of being alive. Um, Glenn Danzig, <laughs> happy birthday. You know, he's, uh, his birthday is June 23rd, 1955. The man's 68 years old and he's still going. You know, he's, got yeah. a, he's on tour right now. As a matter of I fact. love Danzig. Actually, a lot of important moments in my life have been affected by Danzig. So, and we had a Danzig-themed wedding as well. So, and we met Danzig. through Danzig because of Danzig. Danzig so, memes. That's how we met. The Danzig memes. Yeah. Exactly. Always how have we a connection met. there. So we're going to end the show here with "Tired of Being Alive" off of uh, Danzig Two, Lucifuge. Just a great record. One of my favorites. Awesome. Uh, it came out in 1990. Uh, people, thanks for listening to the show. Thank you, Malcolm Brenner, for being a guest. Um, and definitely go check out his books and uh, yeah keep it safe keep it wrong we'll be back next week with episode 901 till then take it sleazy
pay attention to how she got into it. Everything and, and all. I found it rather intriguing and intriguing. He liked the way I was rather intrigued by it, so we kind of went from there. And uh, the first thing he did was was pee on my face, and I really liked the way that felt. That's that how you warm him up. Warm <laughs> running down my chest and all over my tits and all. So you know, we kind of played with that for a little bit, and then you know he'd take a little shit and he'd smear it under my nose and kind of, you know. <laughs> All right, I had to stop. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to prematurely stop Dave, but <laughs> so, dude, so the way you kind of ease them into the scat finish is like, so first you're like, yeah, let me pee on your face, yeah. and then it's like, okay, we're we're gonna go one step further. Here's a little nugget under your nose. Yeah, I do like <laughs> this guy must have some good sphincter control because as she stated, he just took a little shit just to start things. Just a up. nug, just enough to wipe under her nose, you know. An appetizer. <laughs> Just a little fresh nug. I also like how um, she says that, you know, he was intrigued that she was willing to do this. If you're a guy who gets it gets you off to rub your shit all over a chair, <laughs> if you find one that's into it, you're not intrigued. You're ecstatic. Yeah, no, you're, seriously, you know, yeah. Finally. 